Signs of the Southland, Sunday, September 19th, 2021. Mr. Grant, uh, Zoom has not told me that we have 40 minutes to record this episode, so I'm going to kick it over to you to do our intro bit for today. All right. Um, the intro bit being the one that you crossed out here or the one that we actually want to talk about? I don't know. You know, this is your oyster. This is your piece of putty to mold for the next two minutes. Akshay, for all I know, every team in the NFL didn't play today. I have not watched a single second of professional football. So uh, if you have any updates on that you'd like to share, uh, this is a safe space. That Otherwise, is, we safely move on. That is weak. That is weak sauce. Dude, you Kicking it back to me is just like kicking it when I'm down. I'm offended. I'll be filing, filing a complaint with your administrator uh, post-haste. All right, I'll let Carter know that he should expect something. Anyways, um, for those of you, as, as podcasting is a visual medium, can definitely see uh, I'm no longer, uh, after the last two weeks of having to call in on my phone, um, doing that. So that's fun. Uh, back in laptop world, working on bringing some of our uh, classic resources back to, uh, back to use. But Analytics. Uh, Analytics, numbers, not using version control. I, I'm really good at all this. Um, but in the meantime, in the meantime, um, we can talk about what actually happened outside of the world of our electronics. Uh, and I think the most logical place to start with that is, in fact, volleyball. Yes, it is volleyball. Uh, the weird thing about this week is that one of these games wasn't on TV, and the other aired side by side with the delayed second half of the Clemson game. You know what, though? The fact that they still sold out O'Keefe going head to head with a football game. Good for them. Honestly, like it's a stupid like whoever like forced that to happen or made them at the same time. To be fair, all. to be fair, to be fair. They were not going to be at the same time. Exactly. The, the, the football game, if it had. If, it, if there wasn't a two-hour delay at halftime, would have finished within, or at least it would have just been a couple of minutes left in the fourth quarter by the time that volleyball got started. The problem is that it started raining in Clemson, and we can talk about that and, and whatever happened we there. We will be talking about that. We will. We will indeed. But let's, let's recenter ourselves. Let's focus on what happened in O'Keefe. Well, I guess one of these games was in – uh, at NC State, but the other one was at O'Keefe. But you, you get the you get the point here. So Tech did not lose a set this weekend, or I guess this week they went three and zero versus Arkansas. That game was played in Raleigh. There was no TV coverage of that one for whatever reason. Uh, and then they came home to play the rivalry game, and they swept those guys as well. Um, so all in all, very very productive weekend. I was I yeah. was impressed. Uh, I believe you said it. I know you said this to me. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or in our prep last week, but Arkansas's eight and one was kind of a, they ain't played nobody eight and one. Oh, I said that live. I definitely said oh, okay. that live. Well, in and that I'm case, about to go well, back and prove it too. Probably, probably remember this then. Um, I think that very accurately proved to be true this week. Um, Arkansas in the past has been a very solid program, much as, uh, as the Athens program has been as well. But um, I mean, I, this is almost certainly the biggest test um, 
either of these two teams have faced yet. And Georgia Tech needed to take care of business, and they did that. And, and quite frankly, they've settled into a rhythm of how they want to play their volleyball, and, and I, I think it works for them. And that's clearly the results uh, show that out by really only picking up one loss in non-con play, which was a ranked team, top 20, UCLA, on the West Coast uh, after a really, really late night the day before and kind of getting some of that time change probably working into it. I, I think this is, I mean, obviously you want to win that last game, but <laughs> it's about as smashing of a success as I think we've seen from any team in, in handling that non-con maybe since we've started this podcast, like uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe you could say something about a, a women's tennis ITA indoor type handling the business or whatever. But I mean, they don't give out awards halfway through the season. Uh, if they did certain other programs would have lots more in their cabinets. Um, but, uh, but in terms of expectations, I'd say mine are met. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, and just to talk about team comp, cause I know we, we do that here and there um, and looking through the box scores here. I mean, I, like you were saying, they've pretty much established the way that they want to play these games and the rotation is pretty, pretty solid. Like you're seeing Kaiser rotate in, you're seeing Moss rotate in um, more set also has been getting some playing time. Uh, Pimentel Bertolino are major contributors. So you're looking at a, if I can count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten women rotation around that uh, for, for seven spots, right? Six or seven spots on the court, because I can't remember how many people are on a court at the same time. But six, six cool. Um, so it's a seven pretty healthy. Oh, don't confuse me. It's a healthy rotation, right? It, it's a much better rotation than something we were seeing last year. And, and I think it goes back to something you were saying last week. It's good to have that depth. Uh, I think it's notable, again, that Michaela Dowd wasn't, isn't on the she, – she didn't appear versus Arkansas. I'm looking at the other one right now. She didn't appear in the other game either. So, so that's still a concern, per se, but they're fine. They're doing fine. I don't know if it's as much of a concern as just a confusion. Like, like yeah. the team's playing fine without her. I just like that. That's something that, and, and this goes all the way back to, you know, I think this might've been the year before we started doing this in podcast form. Maybe I was just writing yellow jacket roundup back then, but um, the fall that Chris Eubanks was technically still like a student but nobody really knew what was up. And, and, and eventually he wound up saying that he went pro, but like, that's just something you get when, when you're talking non-rep sports and, or uh, I believe earlier this week, we saw like a graphic with like Trisha Awald on it for softball. Like, Oh yeah. Like, hi, welcome back. It's good to have you. Like, you know, it was it's a great. Like, oh, he's great first baseman, but like, weren't you gone? You know, like, like that, didn't you, just, uh, didn't you graduate tweet that you were very proud of your degree? made no like indication that you were coming back and then got your NCAA <laughs> COVID year waiver approved. Hey, and, hey, and that's, that's, that's non-rev sports, right? So, I mean, so I'm it, not going to complain about it to be fair, and, like, and to be very clear. It's not something that we can or should speculate on. Cause the more important thing I think to take away from all of this 
is that the team is still playing as well as it is. And, mm-hmm. and one of my big takeaways, I went to the exhibition against South Carolina in person as regular listeners probably remember. And, and just getting Bertolino up to speed, I think has been the story of the last month, right? Like it went from, Oh, freshman learning the speed of the college game and, and stuff like that to very, very effective uh, freshman get at, at outside hitter. So and she's, I mean, in a lot of these games, she's either been our, she's been in that top three of production. All right. Yeah. If you're looking at that points category, the box score in the Arkansas game, she's the third highest in the other games. She is the third highest again. Uh-huh. So I, I mean, be you're looking at a core that can now hurt you from different parts of the court. Um, and that's super, super important. There was one other thing that I wanted to make a note of. Right. Um, this team's problem, if you can poke a hole in it, I think it's it's early in games. It's early in sets. Um, yep. In these two games specifically, or in these two matches specifically, Arkansas took them to the to tiebreakers in set number one. Um, and the other team closed, only went down by three in the first set, but the other two sets in both cases were massive victories, just like complete curb stoppings. So it's, if they can clean up some of the early game jitters, I think you're looking at a very, very powerful, very, very top level contender here. And they're already there for the most part. Right. But uh, yeah, and and I think that like in terms of the the, the sports landscape and stuff like that is usually you see, and you're talking about being a top level contender, you see teams where or cases where you know three, four, five, six teams even are getting at least a first place vote. Right now, the consensus in in nationally in, in college volleyball is it's Texas. Texas, there's a couple believers in Wisconsin as that number one team. And then everything else is, I mean, I'm not going to say the door is wide, wide open, but if, if you look at the conference picture, obviously it's a little crowded with two top five teams, but I mean, it, not that it's anyone's ball game, but essentially outside that number one spot, like tech can be in the mix with almost any of these teams. You'd have to think, especially after, you know, showing good metal in this, in this, uh, in this pre-conference slate, though, uh, again, to take another left turn, looking back at the polls, our neighborhood right now, Tech at 18, UCLA at 19, Penn State at 20. The consensus is, consensus is that the teams we've seen are about our, our level. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we know a lot more until we're hitting that Pittsburgh-Louisville game. But I, I do think we can play with, with mm-hmm. the top of the conference. Like That's pretty clear. And you're looking at that Louisville home match in about a week, week and a half here, right? Yep. Oh, two weeks, two weeks. Math is hard. Um, that Louisville match is in two weeks, and then the Pitt one is a week after that, uh, but that one's away. So it's it's coming. The ACC slate starts this weekend, right? Or I guess next weekend uh, at the time that we're recording this. So yeah, you are now – excuse me, getting into the meat of this schedule. Excuse me again, getting in the meat of this schedule where it really, really matters, where execution becomes paramount. 
more paramount than it was before insofar as there is no conference tournament for this, for the ACC. So this is where you really build that tournament resume. And I think the UCLA, the Penn State, the uh, Long Beach State, and even Arkansas, those wins are going to help the RPI to a certain extent, but picking up, really doing well in this slate is going to really strengthen that tournament bid. Yeah. Um, it's uh, very interesting to take a look at the conference standings before, before the conference season actually starts, because I think we've learned this in the past with our scheduling. Uh, and, and I kind of learned it the hard way. I think the first year that I was like, Oh, I'm going to do a conference conference slate prediction now that the non-con is done. And, and we talked about Arkansas, you know, Hey, maybe that eight and one might be a little deceiving. Like you look at the, you look at the table right now, North Carolina is sitting at 11 and 0. All right. Now you're, now you're making me look up their, their schedule. So no, I have it up. I have it up. Oh, you did yourself up. Damn it. They do have a win against Michigan. Always, always good to go into a big 10 teams building and and get a win that that's a, a receiving votes team. But other than that, SF Austin, Pacific, SMU, Colorado State, Wofford, East Carolina. Okay, Michigan State. Oh, Michigan State was canceled. Okay, that makes more sense. They played Duke at Michigan. That's a little weird. Alon, Charlotte, Davidson. Like, we won't be able to tell if this UNC team is a legit 11-0 or a not legit 11-0, I think, for at least a couple games here. Um, They get Pitt and Virginia right off the bat. Virginia's not historically all that great, but I mean, if you're circling a couple games on the calendar to look at North Carolina pit uh, this week, you have Louisville They're, uh, I mean, widely seen as a very legitimate team by the coaches, which I respect that opinion. And, you know, basically, basically have waxed everyone on their schedule, whether that's uh, way, 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 wait. On the 18th, they played Nebraska and swept them. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Louisville. My, that was, okay, that was yesterday. I feel less bad now, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that result uh, at some point yesterday and I was flummoxed, I will say. Uh, Yeah, that's a terrifying result. You also, but but it remains to be seen whether that's a sustainable result, right? I, I think. Yeah. But it was Nebraska on the road. That means they did that in front of 7,000 fans, Akshay. This is very true. I also have not seen a box score from that game. So we don't know whether it was a demolition or all three sets were close. That is that is true. We we did not actually look up the, the box score. See, but but I, I think this proves the point of like Louisville's undefeated non-con run looks very different than unc's right which looks very different than ours like you can it's all it's all an enigma it's all uh shadows on caves if you will ah wow you're very uh worldly sir philosophical even let's 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 talk about what the first weekend of the slate looks like here um They'll take on Wake Forest. Georgia Tech Volleyball will take on Wake Forest in Winston-Salem at 7 on Friday the 24th. That is on ACC Network Extra. Uh, And then Sunday, they'll head up to Blacksburg to face off with VT at 1 p.m. That is also on ACC Network Extra. Um, 
I don't have any preliminary thoughts about these two games. Um, I think these are be, beyond the fact that I think these two teams are teams that tech should, should handle. Right. Uh, and these are games that you expect to win. So um, I, no, I think you, you need to, you need to wax Virginia tech. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's where their program's at and where their ours is at the time where it has been, us and them kind of on that even even field that we saw two years ago, kind of down the slate. I, I think that was two years ago. No, no, no. It, time it's is time fluid. to beat Virginia Tech. And, and, and we waxed Wake Forest last year twice on the road in their building. Like, mm-hmm. it, sorry, I, I, I hate to set the bar high, but they need to win those two games. I do have one other game that I want to put on people's radars in terms of uh, conference early games that don't involve us. Uh, looking at the top six teams, we talked North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt, uh, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Miami. Um, Miami and Louisville, Miami has two losses, by the way. Miami and Louisville are another opening day uh, 9-24 game. That, that's going to be a big one, too. So uh, of those top six teams, four of them are squaring up in uh, not just week one, but game one on, on Friday night. So I think we'll, we'll learn a lot about the ACC coming up. You uh, won't be able to say quite the same about Syracuse. They have uh, Boston College, Duke, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech out of the gate. Um, look for October 8th and uh, 10th when they get Notre Dame and Louisville to kind of learn more about them. But, uh, you know, like, I think we'll be able to sit here in a week and be able to have a little bit more definitive con- conclusions about, you know, what this season looks like. Uh, and I'm very interested to see what the pollsters say about Louisville after that win yesterday. I just want volleyball analytics. I want some, I, I want a SP plus for volleyball. That's all I want now. Yep. Same. That need would be a, wonderful. need a master poll for all of this stuff. Let's move on. Uh, women's tennis was in some action this weekend or really this past week. I don't know. They've been in, act, in action for, for most of the week uh, up in Furman at the Debbie Southern Furman fall classic. Say that five times fast. Uh, five, neither can I five singles titles, uh, four yellow jackets finished the tournament undefeated in singles and doubles. Both of those quotes are from ramblinrec.com. What is the takeaway here? What, what did you think? Uh, I do like that. Uh, Mahak Shane, uh, took, uh, a nice singles matchup against Duke. Uh, you always love to see that. Uh, Kate Sharbura took a, uh, took uh, two of three sets against uh, a UNC player, Lindsey Zink. Uh, those are schools you like to see us beating because that does not happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my other takeaway off the top was I think the script jackets look is new, like the baseball style script jackets mm-hmm. and they're uh, not script, but you know what I mean? I Cursive. think that's a nice Adidas upgrade. Um, let's it see. may also have just been in the warm-up shirts and they uh, never wore it as a uniform yeah that's fair well i mean most either way most realistic answer is that it was always there and they just never wore it that is also fair i'm you know it's it's all over the place but um did get two doubles wins against duke um let's see um trying to think about other stuff got a a singles win against wake forest it, it's it's very solid um to see tech kind of, you know, in the mix with some of these, some of these conference 
heavyweights, good, good programs. I mean, you're, you might look at it and be like, oh, Furman. But when you look at the teams that were actually there, MSU, Duke, UNC, uh, Tennessee, USC, Wake, like the, those are, it's basically all power five programs. And then we see these teams a lot. So I, I, I'd say it's strong. Um, and I guess my other takeaway would be, you know, the, the fall season's a little bit, not that it's nothing, but it is a little bit hard to tell because it's not match play, right? We don't know what that's going to look like when that translates to uh, courts one through six, courts one through three, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's where, especially when you're thinking about setting the bar based on some of these results, it's yep. where are some of these pieces going to fall when UNC or Duke or Wake Forest put together their rotations, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting for sure. And I think it's a sign of good progress, but I think like a lot of things we're going to be talking about today or already have talked about today, it's what is sustainable, right? What is reproducible? Um, and I think that while these results are really good, uh, you know, the bulk of uh, tennis' season is in the spring. So we just kind of got to wait and see. Yeah, that, that's about all I got on it. Okay, moving right along. Let's talk about men's golf. It's, it's preview day for men's golf. It is preview day. They played a tournament uh, last week that we forgot to cover, but clearly you were thinking ahead when you put it or on the shot sheet today because uh, of the preview. So do you want to talk about that first? Do you want to do the preview first? What, what, how do you want to do this? Well, first, I would like to say, uh, sorry, golf. Uh, we didn't forget about you. We just started these late. Um, we also and, uh, skipped one week. We skipped another yeah. week. We skipped two weeks somewhere in there. Yeah, well, anyways, we were uh, trying to circle back to you, and, and now we can. But I think it really gives us a nice chance to, instead of, oh, they, they won Maui Gym. And then moving on, we get to kind of break that down a little bit because I think that that team from where they came in January to where they are now, like, like this, this team mops the floor with, with the one we saw in January. And it's largely, it's largely off of development and consistency and, and improvements from, you know, that, that the same similar core of players, but the crazy thing is, like almost all these players were either none bench or, or not even a, a glimmer in a recruiting eye when Ogletree, Schneidergens, uh, Strafacci, you know, when that was the team that carried tech deep into the NC2As two years ago. So mm -hmm. the fact that they are now a top 10 team, that they were eight in the last poll after, after winning a very competitive Maui gym in intercollegiate, um, which was also um a, a very um like impressive result like the golf they played for what the team has done in the past was impressive but also the fact that they were doing it against the, those specific teams right in scottsdale which is where they're going to be playing nc2as if there was ever a statement opener i mean obviously volleyball kind of giving us a run for the money winning uh, against the top 12 team against penn state uh, early in the year but in terms of an opening statement, you know, you knock off Clemson, the defending ACC champ, you lead wire to wire and you throw down the best 54 hole score in team history. 
These by boys 12 are strokes. By 12 strokes. Let's <laughs> that's be clear. like one hole of golf for me sometimes, you know? Like, Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Also, that record has stood for 16 years. Oh, yeah. And it's not like we've had slouch teams in the meantime either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the RamblingRack.com notes, in the end, Tech needed every shot to outlast the Tiger, a Clemson Tiger team. That's also set a program scoring mark at 797, 43 under par uh, by 14 strokes. Something about this. There had to have been some monster wins or something in the conditions that were just playing excellent. Maybe maybe that they're just blowing the way you want or familiarity or something. But if they were all playing this good, then the ACC is about to be a real barn burner this spring. Mm-hmm. I think Lamprecht is kind of the MVP of this one, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Absolutely. Considering that he finishes the runner-up, uh, I also didn't know that he was a uh, he was from South Africa. That is new. Uh, but it, in terms of his finish, he was the runner-up for the tournament, which is a career-high finish. Uh, and then he yeah. also outshot uh, Tech's fifty-four hole scoring record by two by two strokes. So, pretty yeah. impressive work here. I, I literally cannot say enough like positive stuff about that. And, and especially, again, longtime listeners, Akshay and I didn't necessarily grow up with all these sports. We've learned them somewhat on the fly over the years. Like for the longest time, I kind of just saw golf as like, I don't understand it. I don't get the intricacies. But now that I've started playing like that, I – Every time they do one of these new record type things, I go, wow, that is something you know, I can't do. Yeah, far beyond my athletic capabilities. It's it's great to see. And and I think when when times were, I guess, like most dismal for the, the Georgia Tech athletics, top to bottom, you know, post post Gator Bowl, post NIT, you know, when it was just kind of the, the wilderness 2017-ish year. 2018 too i guess but the women's tennis was good then anyways um this men's golf team was really like that at light and it was very sad to like be like oh we lost all these great players and and turn around but now they're a top 10 team again you know it's you can't keep bruce hepler's boys down for long Mm -hmm. before we move on to the the actual team preview i want to ask you a question and yeah. I, and if you have the the Ramblin' Rec article pulled up, close it first. Okay, it's closed. What team hosted this event in Scottsdale, Arizona? I have no idea why, but it was Georgia State. God, why did you look it up? This is ruins well, my joke. Uh, ah, it yeah. makes perfect sense, you know. They're they're just everywhere. Go, go Panther, I guess. I, I don't know. That was, I can't even bring myself to say that. So weird. Uh, but yes, like you, I think you mentioned also, uh, Ramblin' Rec notes that the golf course that they played this tournament at, uh, the Mirabelle Golf Club, is in the same vicinity as Greyhawk Golf Club, uh, which is where the NCAA championship will be this year, next year, and last year. So. Yep. Um, it gets a nice three-year rotation there. Uh, another good thing to keep in mind here, four of these teams, four of the 16 teams in this field were in the NCAA championship tournament. 
eight were in regional play. And, and when I say NCAA championship, that is the championship round, yep. uh, according to this. Uh, eight were in regional play, and then four are currently ranked uh, in the preseason top 25. So it's not – it's no slouch of a, of a tournament. No. And, and Maui Gym's just a, a place we've seen a lot of consistent – uh appearances at and it, it's good that they're able to go back and you know make their claim known and and it just adds another notch in in the long and storied quarter century of of bruce hepler doing and and winning things you know like that that is that is his mo and hey it, it's way too soon to be like maybe this is the year they do it but you know I, I hope for his sake he gets a ring one of these days and our sake too, but mm-hmm. mostly his. Uh, 66, the 66th uh, career victory at Tech for Hepler in 26 plus seasons. Uh, second win for Tech in four appearances at Maui Gym. Um, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, so now that we've talked about them for 10 minutes, should we preview them? Yes. That's what I was trying to segue to, but I did it poorly. Every podcast is someone's first. Tell me about the basics of how to play golf. Uh, it's uh, little white balls that you're chasing around a big open field with, uh, you know, a metal stick. It's, it's very uh, hard. <laughs> that's that's the, my biggest takeaway from the pandemic. Golf and tennis are hard. There you go. How's that? Wow. Incredible analysis. Yeah. Let's, I think golf is kind of one of those things you kind of just know it when you see it in terms of what is good golf. Right. Um, Not anything I've ever done. (laughs) Right. But like when you're watching, this is also coming from someone who averages what, like 1.25 golf tournaments watched per year. So like the masters and like whatever Georgia tech golf tournament, like major golf tournament, and then also the Olympic tournament. Um, Like you typically know really good golf when you see it. I'm not going to say that I would know it when I see it, but I'm going to say that in general, people would know it, know it when they see it. Um, And obviously there are, there's like, certain weird traditions about golf uh that certain individuals are experiencing um especially with long drives of some sort we don't need to go into that bit of the controversy but it's an it's an interesting sport it's it's half mind game and half physical competition um and at at, at certain points especially certain competitions it's very very compelling it's a very, very compelling TV product if you know what you're looking for. It's also it, like a game of fractions of inches and, and tenths of degrees and, you know, like the wind and the meteorology. It's a very nerd sport. If you, if you really want to break it down, it makes sense the tech would be good at golf. There's a lot of like, like obviously there's, it's a sport at heart, but there's so much like technical things. Your, your head is a quarter of an inch higher than it should be up. Oh, now that falls in the trees up. Oh, it's uh, windy. And instead of hitting a 200 drive, you're, you're hitting 250 or, you know, stuff like that. Like, so you're telling me that I can't just hit monster drives on every approach and expect to win tournaments. Ah, uh, no Brooksy. You can't. Sorry. Womp womp. 
Let's move on from the memes and talk a little bit about where Tech plays its golf, because obviously Georgia Tech as a campus is not particularly large uh, or suitable enough to, for I, a golf course. I personally love just teeing up on the Coke rooftop garden and, and shanking them towards Van Leer, but that's just me, you know. I feel I'm like kidding. I'm I kidding. Know if anyone's kidding. ever done that, I promise it was not me. <laughs> I know you're kidding. I know you haven't done it, but someone has definitely done it. Also, it just reminds it's like a movie set or like a movie character thing to do, I feel like. Oh yeah. Just, oh for sure. Like a like a end of Ferris Bueller Bueller's Day off, the Georgia Tech version thing to do. Um I'm not endorsing it. I'm just saying it would be very funny. Anyway, uh, so Tech does practice rounds at Noonan Golf Facility. That is a brand new-ish facility at Atlantic Station. I think it was completed in 2017. Uh, I would have to check. It's right around where the old softball facility used to be back before Mewborn was a thing. Um, but their actual home course, if I remember correctly, is Eastlake Golf Course uh, on the you know, east side of Atlanta. We could talk about the history of Eastlake, but it's a lot of weird Atlanta history. And it's not, it's not my podcast to tell that story. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) I think that that could fill books at at that point, but it has in terms of Noonan, it's like right over there. Like we could go check it out. I could probably walk there before we finish this preview, but we're not going to do that. Um, let's Aren't see. you backed up to it? Isn't your current apartment building backed up to it, basically? Yeah, it's on the other side of the hallway, though. <laughs> okay, well, um, you know, podcasting, visual medium, and also physical, tangible medium here. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's plenty to uh, to talk about, I guess. Like it's a three-hole... I think three whole course there's, there's not, there's not much over there, but they're, they're mainly, you know, it's the tough part about playing golf when you are in a school in Midtown. It's the tough part about, you know, running cross country too, frankly, you, you, there's no, all right, it's Clemson and next door is our golf course or it's Auburn and next door is our airport or it's Purdue and we have space for a particle accelerator, right? Like these are the realities of Midtown, but uh, talking about the actual like competition aspect uh, they play a couple, uh, like handful, five-ish tournaments every year or every semester. Sorry, uh, ends with the championship. That is ACC's. Uh, all the teams of the conference are invited. They all show up. Combination of stroke play and match play. Um, match play for the top four teams. Uh, we'll talk about what that looked like last year in a bit. But uh, Tech did just barely miss that last year after having won the last, I believe, three that had been contested. Mm-hmm. anyways uh then you move on to nc2a's uh there's a bunch of regionals uh the top five teams plus top individual from each region move to the ncaa's um that's another combo of stroke and match play uh tech also made the ncaa championship last year uh if you uh are a golf fan and, and you want to go out to greyhawk in the spring i believe there are at least one set of georgia tech alumni that were posted about as living on the course so uh you know that's cool for them. Again, they'll, they'll get to see more live tech golf. Um, in terms of us people uh, going to actually see them or watch or listen, kind of hit or miss. Usually we wind up being lucky and getting one or two tournaments in a given year on the golf channel. NC2As uh, usually are 
uh, distributed on TV or at least on some sort of delay. It's uh, either it like NBC, you know. like it was on Golf Channel last year or yeah. some sort of NB combination of NBCSN. The U.S. Amateur is usually on TV, but that's yeah. not an NCAA structure. That's a, uh, you know, individual usual golf structure deal but tech has a storied history of winning that so that's why i figured i'd mention it golf is like i I think the interesting thing about golf is that it's like especially with its championship structure is that it's like tennis it's kind of like swimming in that you get evaluated both at the individual level you're competing both at the individual level and at the team level and so it gives you multiple opportunities to prove yourself as a competitor um let's see I'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean we could pivot to more history we we have bobby jones he's like the father of u.s amateur golf that's pretty cool uh has a couple amateur cup titles designed augusta national um and again there are more experienced and qualified individuals to wax poetic on that man than the two of us um but yeah uh-huh. he, he's a legend of the game uh there when I went to the Atlanta History Center a couple months ago, there was a whole feature on him. So if you're interested in, in going to the Cyclorama, uh, check that out as well while you're up there. Um, I would confidently argue, I think successfully, that this is Tech's historically most competent, uh, or at least recent history, most competent program. Uh, several second place NCAA finishes, no first places, obviously, Football has four national titles, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but uh, Tech's, Tech's five uh, titles are, or not titles, uh, second place finishes are no laughing matter as well. Obviously, they got the slightly smaller trophy, but all of those have come in in, in the Hepler, Hepler era, plus having you know Bobby Jones go for the U.S. Amateur, U.S. Open, British Open, and I think British Amateur was the fourth for the, the original um, not triple crown grand slam grand slam yeah golf grand slam um but yeah i mean it it's hard to be as good as they are and not win a title they have 17 acc championships to their name that's tied with wake forest all time uh wake forest has also been in the conference 30 years longer so like mm, um yeah I, that's that's what we got like they're, they're set up pretty well we talked about how uh, they kind of reloaded and made a bunch of really large steps for being a team that I don't think was even ranked in January um, to where they're at, where they're at right now in the top 10. Obviously, there's going to be bumps along the way. You can't play, you know, 12 stroke demolition of your records every week. But hey, they're, they're, hey, they're, now they are back in the way that Penn State is back. It's still still too early for them to be like back back, but like. Penn State football, sorry, for, for those that didn't watch the Auburn-Penn State game last night and have many overreactions. But, um, you know, it, it's like the, it's early, but they could, they could be pretty good. And, uh, you know, boys can set their eyes on, a, on the ACC title at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a reasonable goal. And I think one of the most important parts uh, of that whole spiel is that the, it's a deep roster. Right. And and I think that's exemplified by what you said very early on when you started this segment. Right. None of these guys, either these guys were not on the roster, they were freshmen or 
or they were lower in the rotation when uh, Snyderjins and Shrafachi um, and Ogletree were on the roster and helping Tech compete, right? So yeah. you no longer you still have a top line, uh, you know, first on the team sheet kind of contributor in Lamprecht, and that's the way that he's been competing over the summer and also through this first tournament. But you also have the depth there. You have some quality depth lower on the sheet uh, that is going to help you compete through these tournaments. Yeah. So, and that's a really interesting thing. And also coach Bruce Hepler, if you guys don't know, has a semi-regular a la the Toddcast podcast with uh, Andy Demetra. I think it's Andy Demetra on, um, on the Georgia tech, you know, podcast stream. Learfield IMG feed. Sorry. I thought we, I thought we changed from Learfield. Not important. Side note. If they could do that for more coaches, that would be awesome. I love listening to Hepler talk. He's not somebody we get to hear from a lot, but you know whether that's Collier or Morales or, or I guess Danny Holiday talk that he has more press availability. But you know what I mean. Like, gotta bring is, on guests, Jake. We gotta bring on guests. Just gotta, finish your point. Finish your point. Anyways, um, he made a fantastic point. In yeah, maybe some of these guys weren't like starting at the same time as as Ogletree or, or Snyderjins or Strafacci but they were competing against these dudes every week to try and get spots at, at tournaments. Cause and, and golf's weird, right? So it's not like it's, Oh, and, and we can talk about this when we get to football. It's not where you bring a lot of your roster. Our roster looked a lot smaller than Clemson's yesterday, by the way. Um, Getting there. And different thing, but like golf scored weird. You're up against really yourself and your mind with the, you bring five people, four can score, one's in a vision, uh, you can have an individual, like that's weird, not necessarily team dynamic. And then for the guys who aren't on that roster or aren't that individual, you're just sitting at home. Like obviously they're practicing and going to class and, and, and stuff like that. But like the, the team dynamic in golf is just absolutely fascinating to me. Cause like, again, you don't want to be the guy that's not, you know, going, going out to Scottsdale and tearing it up or, or, you know, getting to bring your surfboard home with you. Like that, that, that sucks. But, um, but no, like Connor Howe, Bartley Forrester, like they were, they were out there trying to play with some of the best amateurs that the United States have seen in the last five years. Like that is straight up. Mm -hmm. It's just, it, the roster construction element of golf just completely screws with me because it, it just, it just does not make sense to my brain sometimes. And, and I think, but I think the overall point about that competition aspect is super, super relevant. Well, relevant's not the word, but it's super valuable, right? It, it's like, this is going to be a stretch and you're not going to get this reference, but you're going to have to bear with me. Um, the value of having of the U S men's national team, having the backup goalkeeper at Manchester city right now, it's not that he's getting game minutes per se, but he's in practice with a champions league runner up squad, right? He's getting that level of competition. He's and he's competing with players that are, that are better than him. Uh, for that starting role or, or to stay in that backup role and competing for minutes. So there's, there's a lot of value, even if you're in the mix there, but 
and even if you're not going to tournaments every weekend, uh, but obviously, like you said, it stinks if you're not on the team sheet uh, at the weekend. So, yeah. <sighs> I mean, in, in terms of we, we've said a lot of names already: Lamprick, Forster, How, uh, Luca Karalik, uh, solid start um, to his time at Tech. Um, Ross Steelman, Mizzou transfer, comes in with you know good existing college golf experience and then i believe uh ruder and kramer also went to to scottsdale so might want to keep an eye on on, on ben ruder and and aiden kramer as well in, in terms of that um i know andy mao has been on the team for a couple of years Try, trying to think about anything else but but really it, it's that that lamprecht forrester how Karalik, steelman i think th those are going to be names you're going to be hearing a lot this year so keep an eye out on that um wrapping it up um, we talked about the Maui gym. They'll play three, uh, three, four more left this fall and then roll on to the spring. ACCs will happen in April and then NCAAs after that. Um, yeah, tech's good. This is like the one sport we can be like, hey, we're, we're at the top of the pile in terms of ACC uh, dominance. So that's, that's good. And then we just got to step on the gas and stay in front of Clemson, right? Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of knock out the rest of the schedule here the next tournament is hosted by northwestern and you're never going to guess where it is glencoe why are you looking at the page i'm not looking at the page that's uh, that's a, a reasonable place for northwestern to host a golf tournament boo, i'm he from was looking, chicago bro he was definitely looking at the page it is at lakeshore country club in glencoe illinois that's uh actually this next week uh yeah the 27th and the 28th that's a that's a monday and a tuesday that's a that's interesting um then they'll be <laughs> these tournaments are so just in the most bougie places uh october 4th and october 5th they're at maidstone golf club uh in east hampton new york which is wild to think about uh and then it looks like the at the end of october they'll play a three-day tournament at the golf club of georgia in alpharetta yeah, that's uh, and, usually their home tournament. Yeah, and then that is the end of the fall slate, and then they <laughs> they start the they start the spring slate in Hawaii. So As if, if you wanna if you wanna follow Georgia Tech golf around, you might get some very interesting vacation time out of it. It also might cost you a lot of money. Yeah, um, it will definitely cost you a lot of money. Yeah. Also. Um, in terms of courses, it's it, I don't know anything about about this Hamptons Intercollegiate, but Lakeshore Country Club in Glencoe is a PGA stop type type place. That's a, a good place to see a tournament. Golf Club of Georgia has always been kind to Tech. They they played there a couple times. Uh, I think the Amer Ari was on a different island last year, uh, so I think it's a different course. Um, Camp Creek we played there a couple of years should be interesting. Southern Highlands, same there. They the get Goodwin. to go to some interesting places. Like the Goodwin was was on Golf Channel last year, so maybe maybe we'll get to see him on TV. In that one's a Stanford March. hosted. That's a that's a Stanford hosted golf tournament there on campus. Which whatever, uh, then, Calusa Cup we've already talked about or, or we've talked about before on this program. But after that, it is a uh, ACC championship and NCAA tournament time. That ACC championship is at Sharks Tooth Golf Club in Panama City. 
PCB, you know, that that fits in real well with Glencoe, Alpharetta, the Hamptons, Hawaii, PCB, bro. Podcasting is a visual medium, so you can't see me roll. You can't see my eyes roll all the way back into my skull at the mention of that. Speaking of other calls that made my eyes roll back into my skull, do you want to talk about Georgia Tech versus Clemson? Yes, I would love to talk about this game because contrary to some opinions out there, I actually went. as did a couple other people on our staff, and we had a wonderful time, uh, despite the loss. Um, I don't know, man. Like, if you would have told me before the game, hey, you're going to lose by one score, I'd probably have been like, awesome, I'll take it. And I still, I'll, I'll still take it, but man, it was, it was close. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah, I, I have it in the shot sheet here that, that the high-level narrative for this game, I think from the Georgia Tech perspective, is at least it wasn't losing by 66, I think, is, is part of it. Uh, I, I think this is be- this was a better performance than expected. And really, if you look at the underlying numbers, I have those pulled up on, a, on another monitor here. And we'll go through those a bit later. If you look at the underlying monitors, it was a very even game, which is ridiculous to think or talk about considering the talent gap that you're talking about. I mean, you're, when you're talking about Clemson, you're talking about team in terms of recruiting, in terms of recent success, team 1B, right, in the nation uh, in Definitely. relative to Alabama. Um, and so this should by all accounts, have been a pasting. I mean, that's what the, the spread said, right? It was 28 points, 28 and a half points, uh, I think an over-under of 52. Uh, I think Vegas, Vegas didn't give Tech a shot. Uh, most common sense did not really give Tech a shot in this game. And I think that, like, I think credit where credit is due, like the Tech, whether it was the weather, whether it was Clemson tripping over themselves, it Tech turned the game into a dogfight and and was able to at least keep it close, right? Yeah. Um, I, I will say you're going to probably hear some discourse, maybe from Clemson fans. You will absolutely hear some discourse about this game. But you're, you're going to hear, oh, it was so wet, the wet, 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 blah, 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 rain. All right. We went up to Clemson in 2017. That was wet. That was a rainstorm. Sure, there was rain yesterday, a little bit, more like spitting. Like I, I sat there the whole time. I didn't have an umbrella and got like kind of I got more wet in the like cool off tent thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it it, it may have been like precipitating, but it wasn't a uh I forget which UNC game a couple years ago where it was just like an absolute monsoon or or this tech one. Heck, even I guess I wasn't at the FSU game last year, so I'm not gonna not gonna judge that, but just in terms of all of the like weird subplots that you could unpack from this game being the lightning delay that was like lightning was 13 miles away instead of eight. I, I don't that one of uh, WSB's meteorologists is a tech grad and, and was posting about that with, you know, as, as tech's driving down the field to aimsmanship to, to, to you know, by the game. 
uh, also who may have already previously had tied the game, if not for a holding call, which, oh my goodness, the Clemson fans around me thought the refs were jobbing them. At the same time, all of us thought the refs were jobbing us. So really nobody left that game. Uh, That's, that means it's an evenly called game. That, yeah, that cancels I mean, out. Maybe maybe they were just terrible or or maybe they were really good and all of us just don't know Jack about football, which, you know, that could that could that could be true, too. But I think possible. that's less likely. Um, let's uh, let's see. Yeah, there was more bats in the upper deck of that stadium than a Louisville slugger factory. Um, Very nice. I got to give you credit thanks. for that one. How long, you, how long did you how long did you think about that one? Oh, I, I, um, Probably my whole drive to church this morning was was workshopping how to work that in. But again, podcasting, podcasting, visual media, my eyes rolling into the back of my skull. I'm I'm trying to think. Um, There's the the always fun drama of does Clemson mic their band that exists on some subsection of the Twitter feed like that comes across. Um, I, I, I don't know, like that there's. Like I said, if you'd have told me before the game it was a one-score game and we played them close, I've been like, "Wow!" But I don't think you can really reasonably draw a ton of expectations until you go out and prove it next week against UNC. So that way, there's two games. It's a trend. Get a win. Like a, a lot of this is all right. It's a first step. Great. Now let's take another step. You know, like it, it, it was progress. It was it was progress, but we need to see like the two steps forward and not the one step back direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think I have this somewhere in the conclusion of my writing on the shot sheet is that there are really two schools of thought on this game. There's, especially when it came to the late game management, especially with seven minutes left, seven to eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Number one is why didn't you go for the win? This is ridiculous. You need to be going for the dagger. You need to be, you need to be playing to win, not to lose. Yada, yada, yada. Don't kick a field goal at the, from 22 yards out. Yada, yada, yada. Um, just like grind them into dust. There's also the school of thought that is just very happy to be in that situation where the, where tech only lost by six points. The final score, which I have not said yet uh, was Clemson 14 tech. Um, also they did not score an offensive touchdown or a touchdown in general but we'll, we'll get there there's there's those two schools of thought right i think a lot of people on the internet and and myself included were in that first box right especially and, and i think you were kind of implying this under underlying especially when you can sort of see the light at the end of that tunnel and it's within reach Right. You you want to make movements to go for it, to really grab to grab the game by the horns uh, or, or by the tail in this case. Right. Um, it was a good pun. Um, but I think there's a value to saying and, and I think that the it's hard to say that this is the quote unquote right take, but I think there's an even keeled take here in that. What happened, the way that the game was managed, the way that the game was managed not to lose, not to get embarrassed, is fine. That take, the the idea of that 
at the end of the day, I may not like it, and I don't. I, I will be clear. I didn't like the play calling at the end of the game. I didn't like the game management at the end of the game. But I think there is some value. There's some value to being even keeled about that. Um, it, it's just – it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Well, I, I – I, I I agree. Not getting embarrassed on national TV is awesome. Yada, not getting yada, embarrassed yada. on national TV again. To, yes, to be clear, again, for the millionth time. Um, I don't think that you can say that they were playing to not get embarrassed. I think like like obviously like football guy like like they there is some sense in all of them. They want to win these games and they right. believe they can. You go listen to Jeff conference Jeff. Collins's press conference after the game and you cannot tell me that that is not a man who is sad he did not just win a football game like like we I I in particular not just we not just from the rumble seat as a site say enough that we don't hear like like emotion genuinity from Jeff a lot and last night like yeah you, you get the like uh the some of the Jeffisms that we've come to know and love but you also get like clearly clearly he thought he could win and, and like that I, I don't know it I, I don't think it's fair to say that they were playing to not lose I, I'm sorry like no that no that's fair and I, I think it, it's the two schools of thought right there it's it's how you interpret the way that that late game play calling happened there's the okay these are logical steps you're working your way so that there's the there's the playing not to lose and then there's the you're working your way down the field methodically. You're running a seven minute drive to end up scoring a touchdown at the end of the game, leaving only a minute left on the clock for an for an offense that, you know, is anemic and that you can stop on defense like it, you can look at it from both of those lenses. And I think both of those lenses are for different audiences. All right. I, I, I just put one of the best defenses in the country on the goal line and said, stop us. Granted, granted, honesty time, I didn't get to see the end of that live uh, because of, you know, it was a long day and and we had to get not necessarily back to Atlanta. That's going to make me sound like a bad fan, but I promise I wanted to be there, but I wasn't. And, and I went back and watched it afterwards. And, and even then, like the fact that we were in that scenario in the first place, like I don't get how you can like I get why we can complain or, or can say things could have been better because obviously they could, but I don't know. Like that that's why we have a podcast, right? That's that's why the, the sausage gets made. Like we can that's debate why, this until things come. That's why we're already at 62 minutes for our recording timer here. <sighs> that's oh. not that's not meant to rush. Let's rattle off some statistics real quick, maybe to to spice up the uh the conversation here. Jordan Yates had a really good day um, from a vibes perspective. I don't think the vibes showed up well in the stat sheet, no. uh, but he had a really good day in terms of, in terms of the game management aspects. He didn't make mistakes. He kept the game. He, he, he excelled when it mattered and he made plays when it mattered. And I think that was a really impressive performance. Um, the offensive play calling around him, suited his strengths well I, I saw a lot of uh bootleg sprint out type stuff there was a lot of jet motion jet sweep motion a lot of play action a lot of motion just to set up ways to stretch out 
the uh, the Clemson defense and put them on edge. And I think that stuff is something we've seen in the first two games, which is really good. The, the offensive play calling in spots here has not really been something I can complain about. Um, I, I've been pretty impressed with the way that Dave Patnode has uh, has been able to scheme scheme his receiver, scheme his running backs into space. Uh, and I think that's that's all really good. Um, Yates, just to rattle off some actual numbers here, uh, passing EPA per play, expected points added per play, uh, plus 0.21. But his rushing EPA per play is minus 0.2. So a bit of, again, a bit of a wash on the stat sheet. But overall, I think he had a pretty good day, especially when you look at some of the rates here. He was... Uh, uh, his completion percentage over expected on throws of 20 air yards or more was 15%. That's really, really good. Um, Tech was passing a lot more in this game than they usually do. Tech in, in um, seasons past, like 2019 and 2020, they were usually running on early downs, those first and second downs at about a 60% clip, 62% clip was I think the number that I, I remember seeing. In this game, they were on first down, they passed 66% of the time. On uh, in early downs in general, they were a dead even split, 50-50. So uh, when you are, I think from an analytical thinking theme perspective here, a lot of the things that Tech was doing are good. They are quote unquote analytically approved, right? The, the nerd approved for lack of a better term. And I, and I think for all the crap, that we have given the idea of the, the pro style offense, the, uh, the like the non option offense, a lot of the stuff that they're doing with motion, with uh, the, the pass rate in, in this game were pro style concepts, things that NFL offensive coordinators have picked up and started integrating into their game uh, over time. The one thing that I'll note about Yates specifically uh, on the offensive side of the ball was, um, or, or I guess the one counterpoint I'll offer is that they didn't really let him throw deep. Uh, his air yards yeah. per attempt per, per Robert, who does a lot of our advanced stat stuff, was only eight, about eight yards. So you're looking at a, more of those medium length throws, those uh, keeping up with the sticks throws rather than really letting him air it out and go vertical. So I, I don't know if that's something where, they they just don't want him to throw deep they don't they want to keep him to that medium range uh or um or or they're trying to scheme into space in that medium range instead of emphasize the verticality and just emphasize the horizontal horizontal play there so th th those are just some of the the trends and stuff and I, and if we want to talk a little bit more about the shovel pass and and all that stuff we can get into it but the, but those are the high level offensive stats that that I was pleased with and 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 really like like you said it's there are positives to take away here it's just are those going to be sustainable positives yeah and i we i actually i'll say this till we talk about north carolina um but i think it's funny to like watch last night's game and go man i haven't been this like relaxed watching my quarterback play since Tobias Oliver, given that Tobias is still on the roster. Um, but I don't know, like it, it just seemed like, and obviously there was an intentional grounding thrown in there and, you know, the, the offensive line kind of had him running a little bit or, you know, I think four sacks, like, which isn't great, but 
in terms of, I guess, just mo- momentum and, and, and staying consistent and not, not playing it safe. Cause that sounds like, Oh, you, you could have pushed it more, but like, Hey, that he did what tech needed to, to, be put in a position of success for, for the most part. And, and the, the, the direction I want to go with this was Dabo Swinney. A, a many, many game, right? That, that, that about the field stuff was Dabo serious when he said that tech's lineup looked nothing like what they had prepared for. I don't believe him for a second because He's a football coach that gets paid, and I, I was almost about to look up his salary, but he gets paid oodles of dollary dues per year to watch film and know what know what his opponents are doing. And I don't really think what Tech was doing wasn't on film. I think a lot of those concepts that we saw, especially in the passing game, were stuff. It's stuff that they showed versus. Kennesaw State, it's stuff that they showed versus NIU. Maybe the maybe the rates were different. Maybe the occurrences were different. Um, maybe some of the motion stuff was a little bit more shifty. But it really comes down to on the Clemson side, it just seems like something hasn't clicked for them in their early season phase. It seems like whether the, the, there might be a talent deficit i mean a talent deficit compared to their usual championship level um or some sort of schematic hole that they're just not able to cover with the talent that they have on hand and it's it's starting to get concerning at a certain level if you're an acc football person uh considering that clemson has been your only stake in the national conversation for a while right yeah i think there's again there's two ways to see that right one is oh parody more parody is good for the sport um yada 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 but at the same time it's where does the i think there's a narrative element here of where does the acc fall in the national conversation when clemson is kind of scuffling here I do not think, and we can start talking about the defense here a little bit. I do not think this was a good performance from Clemson offensively, but it's unclear. And I think the most important part here is something that you've already said. It's unclear to me whether this was a Clemson's play calling and situational execution was poor or Georgia Tech did Georgia Tech stifled one of the best offensive coordinators in the nation. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle and both like Georgia Tech deserves a lot of credit for scheming up a really good game and disrupting Clemson's offensive line and offensive play calling, but also Clemson's uh, Clemson offense coordinator, Tony Elliott, forgot that he had Will Shipley in his backfield for approximately two quarters. So it's a <laughs> bit of a wash, right? I, I'm trying to keep it positive. I'm trying to keep it light here. But again, I, I think the narrative of this game, and we've said it two or three times already, is, is this a reproducible result? Is this a sustainable result? If there are positives, like we're saying the defensive performance was really good. It was a 68% drive stop rate. It was a uh, 
um, DJ Uyunglele, and I think I nailed his pronunciation there, uh, only had 126 yards and had an expected QBR of about 44 uh, and, and, was, and ha- was negative on EPA per play on the day. Is that reproducible? Is Tech's defense going to be able to do that against Sam Howell? And we'll get to talking about UNC in a bit. Is Tech's defense going to be able to do that against Sam Howell next week? That's what we need to know, right? What pieces of this performance are statistically significant or reproducible in ways that we will be able to see next week? Yeah, uh, I I think until... Until you're getting like a, a UNC team that scored 60 uh, or 59, uh, sorry, um, in a climate-controlled stadium, you know, like at home, you're, you're home-ish, you're really taking a, a lot of these um, questions. Like we, we had questions with Clemson's offense after game one, right? Like they went from not, not scoring an offensive touchdown or not scoring any touchdowns actually against Georgia to FCS doesn't tell us a lot to, you know, still having a lot of trouble moving the ball against versus tech an, versus an opponent that they should be, that they have historically moved the ball all over. Well, recent history. Yeah. Right. Um, it's very but, weird. And I think this game says a lot more, uh, and I think SED is what's on duo may have touched on this this morning, but I think this game says a lot more about the state of Clemson in 2021 yes. than it does about the current state of Georgia tech. Well, the real question is, can you now irrationally write things into the statement about the university of uh, the boys up the road and whatnot based off of this game as well? Because obviously, if if this tech team, if that, that's that's why college football is bizarre and confusing in many ways, because there's only 12 games, right? And, and we've only played three. You look at this tech team, which has both lost to NIU by one point and lost to Clemson by six. NIU has gotten the brakes beat off of them by Michigan. UGA has turned around and throttled South Carolina, like like. Like there's only so many data points we can look at in all of this. And it's like, wow, like, hmm, what are we going to be seeing in, in the 12th game of the year at Bobby Dodd Stadium, right? But if you start thinking about that now, like expectations, reality are just going to be completely off the chart because you have, we don't even get to next week. And next week we're facing a Sam Howell who, if yesterday is anything to go by, has figured out how to offense. Like does, does that make UNC uh, now a, uh, a player or a contender in the ACC? Heck, Virginia Tech still hasn't lost. I, I don't know. I feel like we got more questions than answers from this game and this week. And 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 even, even down, if you look at the swap, Alabama, two points to Florida. Gosh, maybe that one's a little bit weirder than we thought. You know, like the... Oh, it's not just the two points for Alabama, by the way. It's the, they led it, they led 21 to three at a certain point during that game and then only won by two points. Florida was dead and all but buried by, by Alabama and Bryce Young and then rose from the grave like the undertaker. <laughs> oh, that, that's a good metaphor. Um, but like, like, that's the thing. Honestly, 
all I want from the rest of this year is to see improvement from us and chaos everywhere else. Is that too much to ask for? Like, because it, it feels like Alabama having lost, you know, basically every skill position they had, Ohio State already having lost a game and, and having lost a lot of their skill position players and having question marks at, hey, hey, is, is, which of our five star quarterbacks is the right option here? You know, like, is UGA good? They haven't really been cl- tested other than Clemson and Clemson is Clemson Clemson anymore. Like, are we back to Clemsoning? Like it, this is all this is going to happen is somehow we're going to have like a wake versus Virginia tech ACC championship game. And a, just a smoldering pile of wreckage on the West coast and Oklahoma can hardly handle Nebraska. I, I'm going wide on this, but I guess that's I think, my takeaway. Can we just watch volleyball? I have more expectations there. <laughs> I, I think I think to round off your conversation so we can talk about UNC in more detail real quick, I think it's we're setting up to have a 2007-style year, but it end in Alabama winning the whole damn thing again. Like Alabama, like – decides to trip uh, like somewhere along the line but like not trip hard enough that they fall and then just turns on the jets during the last half of the season and just runs away with it like it, it sets up it sets up like that to me but but let's reduce scope here let's let's scope back down to just unc you mentioned about sam howell learning how to offense so unc beats uva by 20 59 to 39 Uh, That game was in Chapel Hill. It was close at half to the point where on my chart, on my win probability chart in front of me, UVA right around halftime was actually projected to win this game with a 53% win probability. And then UNC beat the brakes off of them in the second half. Um, It's weird. The second half was basically an infatigable boat race and UVA just could not keep up it was very 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 strange so we talked about the narrative sort of the narrative elements for georgia tech here what stands out to you is sort of what unc wants to learn going learn from this game well i I think that's the thing like everyone had all these high hopes for them at, at the beginning of the year and then I guess kind of immediately after one game, which was a week one full lane stadium like that, that is a spooky place to go in and play anytime, but getting the Hokies at for, for a primetime game week one, that that's first game back with a full capacity in two years. Like, I, I don't think you can say that that game is the norm after looking at the last two weeks and this is their chance to prove it. And quite frankly, that scares me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, it, sorry, I, I, going off that, because if you only look at week one, you look at that and see, oh, that Georgia Tech team, they played pretty well against a good defense, maybe, or, you know, or offense. You get the point. Mm. Or you say, mm, 60 points, even if we cut that down a little bit, like we, you know, haven't been scoring at a tremendous, tremendous clip. Like that's, at some point that volume just crushes you. And I think that's my at least biggest concern right here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, here, here's my thing. 
the the main thing that comes to mind for me is is UNC sustainably coming back to this central theme of sustainability in this in this podcast episode is UNC the team that choked the life out of UVA in the second half here or is it the one that showed up at, at, at VT and sort of wilted under the pressure, especially that offensive line, right? When we're talking yeah. about, so the two things here that I want to see for, from the UNC side is one, can their defense stop leaking points? Because allowing, allowing 28 first half points to UVA is a problem, but bigger than that is their EPA uh, they allowed uh, about 35 expected points added total to, to UVA in 91 total plays. Um, you can say, oh, some of that is in garbage time, yada, 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 uh, whatever, whatever. Um, but the, the point stands in that that defense is leaking yardage. On, on the flip side of that, uh, UNC's defense was, compared to UVA's defense, got – or stopped UVA on 25% of its drives, UVA didn't get a single stop defensively. So pros and cons, right? Pros and cons. But they need to show defensive life. From from the UNC side, they need to show life on defense. They need to show progress on defense. And they need to have a functional offensive line, right? I think that's the thing that VT took a lot of advantage of, especially in in the environment of Lane Stadium, is that that offensive line was not protecting Sam Howell to the point where he was able to do well. I think in this game, the offensive line held uh, Sam Howell put together an 84 uh, expected QBR. I don't have the actual QBR number in front of me, but flip side, when we're talking about the defense, Brennan Armstrong had almost had almost 550 yards passing and almost 50 expected points added by himself. So that's what UNC needs to improve on. On the, on the flip side for Georgia Tech, it, the, the OL play is still a concern. That, that, that's a shared concern. The thing that I want to see is can, as a sustainable component here, is knowing that UNC's offensive line has had issues over the last three games, especially in a conference game versus VT, can they get a, can they generate the same amount of pressure that they generated on DJ Uyunglele, on Sam Howell. If Jordan Dominic and Charlie Thomas can do that in this controlled environment in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um, then I think that is something that we can take to the bank and say, okay, they're generating pressure better than they did last season, or there was some tweak during that Kennesaw week to where they're generating pressure a little bit better defensively. That's something that we need to track and we need to look for moving forward yeah and and i think uh this is something that perhaps i'm now knowing like you know mm, an iu game lost to start the year muted a little bit of the excitement yada 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 honestly if we were never going to sell 72 in the first place i'm kind of glad it's in soccer configuration for uh for next week saturday i i think that'll at least help make the space a little bit more intimate and home crowd-ish because that was one of my fears coming into this game is, yeah, we say it's a controlled environment, but if it's so controlled that, you know, you don't really get, I guess, a home game boost. And at, the, at that point, like, 
it's just a neutral site, you know. Well, I, 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 let's... obviously, analytics will say that's only worth two and a half points to have a home. Okay, home. well, yada yada. yada. Eh, but we can talk about that. That there, there's some science we can do on that one. Yeah, exactly. But my my point is like there there needs to be somewhere that the juice is coming from that we've seen a lot on defense. And, and look, UNC just gave up forty points too. It's not like their defense just threw up the stone wall and, and, you know, 73 to seven them, but. Okay. I'm uh, looking at tickets for this game on the other screen and wow, they've gotten much more expensive in the uh, two days since I last looked at them. People have picked up a lot of tickets. Hopefully it's people and not just uh, resellers, but. I will say that the. Uh, the Atlanta United supporter section piece, uh, almost all of those sections are not for sale or either sold out or not for sale. Uh, the other end zone is completely sold out from what I can see uh, there, but there are a lot, there are a number of seats available in the second deck. And I think a good chunk, there's like four or five listings in all of, well, four or five or 20 in some of these. Uh, in the first deck as well. So I think it will be pretty full. I w- I'm not going to venture and say that it's going to be like four, like a full 42.5K. I actually don't know what the adjusted attendance is with the, uh, with the corners pulled out for football, uh, but it should be around 45 if I know my, if I know my stadium correctly. I, I, I'm not going to say it's a sellout, but I think, I guess the overall good part of this is regardless of who buys the tickets, regardless of what the percentage is, we still get paid, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's the thing too, is like they, they've noted, podcast and, and wherever, um, there's at least 5,000 student tickets out. I, I have heard through the grapevine that they're split, uh, split student sections. So that'll be interesting, uh, like band on one side and, like Greeks on the other. So that, I, is, I don't know. that is an interesting choice that I'm not sure I agree with, but that's it's logistically challenging, but Hey, maybe that means UNC's paying, playing into students, both directions, which is, you know, that that's interesting. Um, let's see, trying, trying to think of, of what else we can go from that, but in, in terms of tailgating, it'll be a little bit different for that. No um, gulch this year, because that that's a different from 2017. The gulch is closed for construction. So your options are all the other parking decks uh, inside the stadium or taking the train train. in from campus. So plan accordingly. uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, that kind of puts a bow on it. Hopefully people are there and hopefully can stay loud. I I don't really know how the curtains affect sound dampening or keeping it in the space or anything like that. I don't know. I, I I have only seen that place truly, truly sold out like one time. And I think that was Tennessee Tech. But hey, you know. I've seen it sold out a bunch of times. Thank you. No, I just meant like I, I don't have a lot to do. I know I'm I'm giving you crap. I've seen it, I've seen it full and loud before, and it is a very intimidating environment for other teams to play in. Uh it just so happens that only one of the home teams that actually plays there makes it that way on a regular basis, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to check the 10 day forecast real quick to see if maybe the roof is going to be open. 
And it might be. Right now, Saturday night is looking ooh, nice and cool, actually. Looks like hey. we get a break in the heat this week. Um, Saturday should be 77 around kickoff. Uh, obviously, like a gorgeous Atlanta day. They might open the roof for that one. So bring bring your friends, bring your cousins, bring your I don't know parents, workers, parents. Come, come come on down to Artie Blank's really big dome. Really big metal dome. Uh, there's many jokes to make about that. Uh, just to rattle off some of the projections before we get you know too lost into our personalities here. SB Plus has UNC by 15.7 points. That's even adjusting for home field advantage. I'm counting this as a home field game because it is in Atlanta. Ticket sales, we'll see, but it's a based on literal location, it is a home home game. Uh, and Vegas has UNC by I think 12 and a half, someone said. So I, I mean, you're talking about effectively a two-touchdown favorite. Uh, and Again, it's another tough spot, right? The, the theme here is sustainability. What are sustainable themes that they can take from that Clemson game and put uh, and take moving forward? Uh, and that's what we want to see. Any, any last minute thoughts before we wrap up a 90 minute episode? Nope. Let's go home. Both of us are home. What, ah, whatever. What you- oh, I, I do have one other thing. Um, free advertisement. Section 103, they're very good. Um, add us on Twitter, email us for questions. We're always here for it. Um, from the rumble seat at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll be around. Yes, we will. We will see you all next week. Oh,